I invite you at this time to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 13, Pew Bible, page 1853, where we find our scripture reading for tonight. This is our fourth faithful saying in the five faithful sayings series that we're looking at, where Paul mentions these um, trustworthy sayings, these faithful sayings that have been passed down, um, and he believes can be confessed by all believers, by all Christians, um, these trustworthy sayings that Paul is sharing with uh, Timothy in First and Second Timothy, and also Titus in the what is often called pastoral epistles. This is number four. Second Timothy chapter two, starting the reading in verse one. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. And trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying For the Lord will give you insight into all this. And then our reading for tonight. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Most far the reading of God's holy word, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I'd also like to read Article 3, 4, and 5 of the Fifth Head of Doctrine in the Canons of Dort, where we read about the perseverance or the preservation of the saints. By reason of these remains of indwelling sin and also because of the temptations of the world and of Satan, Those who are converted could not persevere in that grace if left to their own strength. But God is faithful, who, having conferred grace, mercifully confirms and powerfully preserves them therein, even to the end. Page 109. In the back of your green Psalter hymnal, sorry. I just finished reading Article 3. Now moving on to Article 4. Although the weakness of the flesh cannot prevail against the power of God, who confirms and preserves true believers in a state of grace, yet yet converts are not always so influenced and actuated by the Spirit of God as not in some particular instances sinfully to deviate from the guidance of divine grace 
so as to be seduced by and to comply with the lusts of the flesh. They must, therefore, be constant in watching and prayer, that they may not be led into temptation. When these are neglected, they are not only liable to be drawn into great and heinous sins by the flesh, the world, and Satan, but sometimes by the righteous permission of God actually are drawn into these evils. This, the lamentable fall of David, Peter, and other saints described in the Holy Scripture, demonstrates. By such enormous sins, however, they very highly offend God, incur a deadly guilt, grieve the Holy Spirit, interrupt the exercise of faith, very grievously wound their consciences, and sometimes for a while lose the sense of God's favor until when they change their course by serious repentance, the light of God's fatherly countenance again shines upon them. And I'll read Article 6 as well. But God, who is rich in mercy according to his unchangeable purpose of election, does not wholly withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their grievous falls, nor suffers them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification or to commit the sin unto death or against the Holy Spirit. Nor does he permit them to be totally deserted and to plunge themselves into everlasting destruction. That's the teaching of our confessions. There's a story told by H.A. Ironside. An elderly man came up to him and he said to Ironside, I will not go on unless I know I am saved or else know it's hopeless to seek to be sure of it. I want a definite witness, something I can't be mistaken about. And Ironside replied to this old man, Suppose you had a vision of an angel who told you your sins were forgiven. Would that be enough to rest on? And the old man answered, Yes, I think it would. An angel should be right enough. And Ironside continued, But suppose on your deathbed Satan came and said, I was that angel, transformed to deceive you. What would you say? The man was speechless. Ironside then told him that God has given us something more dependable than the voice of an angel. He has given us his son who died for our sins. And he has testified in his own word that if we trust him, Jesus Christ, all our sins are forgiven. Ironside read 1 John 5.13. You may know that you have eternal life. Then he said, is that not enough to rest on? It is a letter from heaven expressly to you. God's Spirit used that to bring assurance to this old man's heart. Maybe tonight he will use this word to do the same in our hearts and in our lives. Our theme tonight, endurance is evidence of assurance. Endurance is evidence of assurance. We have three points tonight. First, remember the resurrection. Point number two, endure for the elect. Point number three, hold on 
to hope. Hold on to hope. All right. Let's look at these three points together. Remember the resurrection. Uh, 2 Timothy is a follow-up letter that Paul writes to Timothy. um, And many believe that in this letter, Paul has sort of given his last will and testimony to Timothy. You get the sense of urgency in Paul's letter that Paul believes that his last days are approaching, that he's about to be poured out like a drink offering, that his, his life is about to come to an end. And so he is seeking to tell Timothy all the wisdom that he's gained in the ministry, all the things that he's learned. He's seeking to give that to Timothy, okay? And so you get this sense from this letter. You get this sense of a father teaching his son the things that he needs to know to move forward in life. It's very much like the book of Proverbs in, a, in a, an epistle sense, right? Um, a, a father teaching a son. Um, and this is uh, how Paul thinks of himself. He thinks of himself as a spiritual father to Timothy, um, as his, Timothy as a spiritual son. And not only that, but also those who are co-workers in the ministry together. And so uh, Paul, the one who's been in ministry longer, teaching Timothy. And you get that. That's why I wanted to read uh, the first seven verses of Second. Timothy chapter 2. Because Paul says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he says, In the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul is saying, You want to know how we can ensure that the church will go on, that the church will remain faithful, besides the fact that we believe that the Holy Spirit will continue to work in the body of Christ. This is what you need to do. You need to take this faithful teaching that I have entrusted to you. And you need to hand it on to other men. Don't keep it to yourself. You need to hand it on to other men who will also be able to teach this. You need to pass it on, right? I'm passing you the baton, Timothy. You need to pass the baton on as well. And then he gives Timothy a number of analogies about enduring in the Christian life, particularly in the realm of Christian ministry. He says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Here's the military analogy, right? No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So stay focused on your work, Timothy. Be a good soldier in Christ Jesus. We were just singing at the end of this morning's service, onward Christian soldiers, right? It's something that we've uh, come away from, this analogy of, uh, of military and warfare in the Christian life. But it's something that the Bible has no problem with using. And we need to use it as well. Uh, and Paul is telling him, you are a soldier enlisted in the army of Jesus Christ. And you need to stay focused on the work of a soldier. And don't get involved in civilian affairs. And so he says, similarly, if he competes, if anyone competes as an athlete... Here's a soldier metaphor. Here's an athlete metaphor. He does not receive the victim's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So stick to the rules, Timothy. And then finally, an agricultural analogy. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And then right at the end he says, reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight. What what is Paul saying? He's saying that the thing that we're in right here... It's a battle. The thing that we're in right here, it's a race. The thing that we're in right here, it's like being a farmer. It's like uh, uh, trying to produce crops, right? 
Um, and and you, what you need to do in all this, Timothy, is you need to endure. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how do we endure? How do we endure in this? How do we endure? And that's what he says in verses 8 and 9. You want to know the key to enduring in the Christian life? Whether you seek to put on the analogy of the, of the, of the warrior, putting on the arm, armor of God. You want to know what it, what it takes to endure in the Christian life. Whether you're playing the, the, the role of the athlete and you're racing, you're taking the race, right? You want to know what it means to endure in the Christian life in, the, in, firm, in, in terms of the ministry, where, where the people that you are working with, you're, you're the shepherd, they're the sheep, right? Or, or you are the farmer and you are sowing seed and you're hoping that these seed will produce growth, that these, these, these plants will grow and produce fruit, right? Here's the key, Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Right? But not remember Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. Although it's important for us to remember his sacrificial death for us. Right? But Timothy, if you are going to champion in the Christian life, if you're going to be a champion in the ministry You cannot focus solely on the moment of, quote-unquote, defeat for Christ. But you have to look forward to the victory. If you are going to endure in the Christian life, then you must remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Resurrected. Victory over death, sin, Satan, hell. He is your commanding officer, Jesus Christ. He has finished the race, and he now sits at the finish line as you are continuing to race, right? He has now completed planting his farm, and he knows that all that he has planted will come to fruition. He is what we cast our eyes upon as we await the victory that is promised in him. He's the one who has endured. And so remember, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And Paul says, this is my gospel. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. When Paul went to the church in Corinth, He said, you guys wanted me to wow you with TED Talks and the complexities of my rhetoric. And what did I give you? I committed myself to saying nothing but Christ and him crucified and raised from the dead amongst you. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Timothy, this is your gospel. Your point of reference in all of your ministry, as you are a soldier in the army, as you are uh, an athlete in the race, as you are a farmer sowing your seeds, this is your point of reference. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. That's the gospel. That is the trajectory. That is what you must focus upon. Remember the resurrection. And Paul says, this is my gospel for which I am suffering. 
even to the point of being chained like a criminal. And so Paul says, listen, I'm enduring even though I am chained. I am in prison. Most likely, uh, many believe, awaiting his martyrdom. I am in prison. I am chained and I am in prison. Right? And Timothy, you might think that that means that uh, the result, the end result of your faithful ministry might be, might be a similar situation to what I'm experiencing right now. And Timothy, I want you to realize that the condition that I'm in, it is not a statement of defeat. It's not a statement of defeat. And this is what Paul says. Because you can chain me, but you can't chain God's word. You can chain me, but the gospel, you can't chain that. And in fact, when you chain me, that makes God's word even more spread like wildfire. Oh, you're you're so scared of this, of what this Paul teaches, the gospel that he proclaims? You're so scared of this that you're putting him in prison? Don't you realize that that's, that's what tyrannical leaders don't realize? That's why the, the, the Communist Party in China is taking faithful pastors and putting them in prison shows actually the power of the gospel. Because they realize that Christ is Lord, even over them. And so they seek to minimize the power of Christ by shutting down churches, by putting pastors in prison. But it doesn't matter what they do. God's word cannot be chained. It cannot be kept from going out. So, Paul says to Timothy, remember the resurrection. Remember the power of the resurrection. And that power, the power of the resurrection is, a, is alive in the spreading of the gospel and the, and the good news. The good news uh, of Jesus Christ is not... That he died on the cross for your sins. No, 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 no. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross of, for your sins and death could not keep him. Because the only reason his death is good news is that he didn't stay dead. Because his resurrection is proof that your sins have been done away with. They have received their punishment. They have been paid in full. Signed, sealed, delivered. And so, if you want to endure in the Christian life, remember Jesus Christ. Remember the resurrection, right? But Paul, he wants to go on. He wants to continue to give Timothy... An example that he can follow. 
He's already told Timothy that he is um, in prison. Elsewhere, you can see that he was shipwrecked. He will tell you that he was stoned. And that he received, uh, he was whipped, beaten. These, These are all things that Paul experienced in his ministry. This is what Paul says in verse 10. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Part of being in ministry is experiencing hardship so that those you minister to will experience sanctification and justification. See, I'm, I'm, I'm connecting these two because some people will say... Um, is Paul here in, in saying, enduring for the elect, that what he means by that is, I'm willing to go on these missionary journeys, these mission trips, right? So that people who don't know the gospel can hear the gospel, right? Because he says, uh, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Or is what Paul t- is talking about, the endurance, the things that he is talking about, is not just so that they may hear the gospel, the good news, and believe, and therefore receive that initial salvation, but all of the salvation, right? From justification to sanctification to glorification. Um, I believe that what Paul here is talking about is the whole package deal of salvation. Paul is not here just saying, I'm willing to endure shipwreck and hardship and, and, and loss and being whipped and being beaten and being put, thrown in prison so that I can preach the gospel to people who haven't heard it yet. No, he's saying, I'm willing to endure all things for the sake of the elect. Um, Not just so that they can hear the good news and be justified, but also that they may grow in salvation and sanctification and ultimately come to the fruition of that, which is um, glorification, right? And I believe that's what he's saying because Paul says here that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Eternal glory. You see, Paul here, he's also not ashamed to use this word, this term, the elect. In fact, what Paul says here is meant to instruct Timothy to give him confidence in his ministry. Right? This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that he knows. He knows that what Christ has accomplished is sure. What Christ accomplished in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection is already 
finished, right? And what Paul understands about that is that he understands that what Christ was doing was that he was dying for his people, his chosen people. Jesus says, my sheep know me. They know my voice. I call them by name. And then he looks to the Pharisees, right, and the scribes, and he says, you don't believe in me because you are not my sheep. So what what does Paul understand about that? He understands that his work in ministry is not in vain because all he is doing are the means by which God is ensuring that those whom Christ has died for will come to faith in him and will reach that final day. Justification, sanctification, glorification. What Paul understands by that is that he can't fail. He can't fail. As long as he is faithful to do the work that God has given to him, as long as he is faithful to pursue the calling that God has given him, he cannot fail. He can't fail. And that's why Paul says, I am willing to endure everything for the sake of the elect. Because Paul understands that the work that he is participating in is the work of Christ, the very work of Christ. That when you are working in ministry and you preach the gospel and people come to faith in that gospel, that what is accomplished there, what is happening there, is the purchase price that Christ paid on the cross and his death and his resurrection is coming to fruition in history and time before your very eyes. Paul is willing to endure everything for the sake of the elect. Not just that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ, but they would also grow up in Jesus Christ. And they would also ultimately reach that final day. Right? And I know Paul is meaning this because Paul doesn't simply drop into a place, preach the gospel, and leave. He sets up churches. He sets up elders. He comes and he visits places where he has started churches. And he also does this. He also leaves his friends like Timothy in churches that he started, like in Ephesus. And he encourages Timothy to continue the work that was started there. You see, Timothy is probably going to have a very different ministry than Paul. Paul traveled from place to place, starting churches wherever he went. Timothy, he's going to be in an established church. He's going to be preaching to a church. He's going to be ministering to a church. He's going to be ministering to people who are still trying to figure out the Christian life. And Paul does not say that what Timothy is doing is any less valuable than what Paul did. And Paul and him saying, I'm willing to endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may come to obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He's saying, Timothy, this should be what you have in mind too. This should be your 
perspective. This should be your viewpoint. You should be willing, as a minister of the gospel, to endure all things for the sake of the elect. And this is something that I think people in ministry have to think about often. You know, I always say it's people work, not paperwork, right? And I think about how sometimes in ministry you can begin to complain about this person keeps saying my sermons are too long and this person is being bothersome in this way or that way. <laughs> and you've got, you've got Paul in prison getting ready to have his head chopped off saying he's willing to endure all things for the sake of the elect. And you're getting upset because somebody wants you to chop 10 minutes off your sermon time. Are we in ministry willing to endure all things for the sake of the elect? We should be. We should be. And I don't think this only applies to people in ministry as well. Because we all share in the burden of ministry together. We all share in the burden of ministry together. Are we willing to endure whatever it is that we need to endure that those whom Christ have died for would come to the knowledge of their salvation? would grow in the knowledge of their salvation and would one day stand before their Savior Jesus Christ glorified. That should be our modus operandi. That should be our focus. As we look to Jesus Christ and we remember him and we remember the power of the resurrection, we should also be saying we're willing to endure all things for the sake of the elect. You know why? Because Christ endured all things for the sake of the elect. Even to death on the cross. Even descending into hell and experiencing the pain and agony of hell itself for our sake. So, we endure for the elect. But another reason why I believe that Paul is speaking holistically in sense of of the entirety of our Christian life and our Christian walk, it's because this is what he says uh, is the trustworthy saying tonight. Hold on to hope. Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying, and if you look in your NIV, it's sort of um, turned into a bit of a poem because it has that sort of rhythm in a very real sense, this could have been a confessional statement of some sort um, that was known in the early church, something that um, was said on Sundays, something that was confessed, right? Something that was taught in catechism, whatever it might be. This is the trustworthy saying that Paul is saying in reference um, to the, the call to endure, the call to live out the Christian life that he's given to Timothy, the Christian life of ministry, the work of ministry that he's given um, to Timothy, that Timothy has been called to in the Lord, the call to remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, the call to understand that even though uh, we may suffer in life, even though we may suffer in ministry, th- that God's word cannot be chained. Uh, therefore, we endure all things. We endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
Um, and Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Okay? Die with Christ. Live with Christ. Romans chapter 6 uses this analogy for baptism. Um, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's an analogy that connects us to the concept of union with Christ. And that is, by faith we are united to Christ so that we are dying in his death and we are being raised in his resurrection. It's the mortification, vivification uh, analogy that Paul, uh, that the, the Heidelberg Catechism uses about the Christian life. We're dying to our old self. We're being raised to newness of life. If we died with Christ, we will also live with him. Um, if we endure... Equals, we reign with him. This is the result of our endurance, is that we will reign with Christ. If we will, uh, we will, um, Revelation speaks of this. Those who made it through uh, by the word of their testimony uh, will reign with Christ, right? Um, but then there's also these uh, negative statements. If we disown... He will disown. If we are faithless, he is still faithful. He remains faithful. So this is the trustworthy saying that, that uh, Paul is speak, speaking to Timothy about. And this is what Paul is essentially saying. He's saying endurance is evidence of assurance. As you work out the Christian life, as you continue to uh, work out in ministry, and you continue to face hardship, and you endure through it, what, what, is, what does James talk about? Endurance creates perseverance, perseverance, hope. James says, if you are somebody who has true faith, these things do not take you away from Christian faith. They strengthen you in it. They grow you in it. So hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that if we died with him, we will also live with him. Remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember to endure all things for the sake of the elect. What does that mean? Well, if you endure, if we endure, we will reign with Christ. But also remember this, Timothy. We're in a battle. Remember, you're a soldier. We're in a battle. So if we disown him, he will also disown us. Jesus says these very things in his preaching. If you deny me before people, I will deny you before my father. What is he saying? He's saying that if people disown Christ... And this is a disowning that is consistent. It's a disowning that isn't uh, in a moment of fear or trepidation, um, of a worry that you, your faith is weak. And so then you don't proclaim the name of Christ, you know, uh, 
I'm not saying that if somebody came up to you and pointed a gun at your head and said, do you believe in Jesus? And you, and you, you were worried that if you said yes, they would kill you. They, you say, no, no, I don't believe any of that stuff. But we, that's not what I'm talking about. Because Peter denied Jesus. But the difference was Jesus prayed for Peter. And Peter returned to the faith, returned to confessing, returned to endure to the end, right? Right? That's why I read Article uh, uh, 4 of this. It says that when we neglect these things, we're not only liable to be drawn into great and heinous sins by the flesh, the world, and Satan, but sometimes by the righteous permission of God actually are drawn to these evils. And David, Peter, um, and other saints described in the Holy Scripture demonstrate this. So why, what does is, what is the canons of the door tell us to do? Therefore, we must be constant in watching and prayer that, the, that we might be led in temptation. Even though we know that we are, we are assured that we will make it to the end, we must endure. And that endurance is actually evidence of our assurance. So hold on to hope. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot disown himself. Now, this can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. What Paul is saying here. As if those, those who at the end of um, their lives, and who before the, the great judgment seat, are revealed to be faithless, it is not because God tried to save them and he couldn't. You see what I'm saying? If someone dies condemned it is not because God did all he could and failed to bring that person to salvation if we're faithless that does not make God faithless God always is faithful because God cannot be anything but faithful it is his nature to be faithful. He cannot disown himself. And here's what's so important about that. It means that we can trust God's word. And if God has said those who have faith in Jesus Christ will be saved, will make it to the end, will not only be justified, but they will be sanctified, and at the end of the days, they, they will be glorified. We can trust that because God cannot be faithless. He is faithful. Even if we as human beings can be faithless. We cannot change his nature, his character. He remains the same. So if we believe what God has said in his word, if we believe that Christ has died for us on the cross and was resurrected three days later, if we believe that if we die with him, we'll also live with him, if we endure, we will also reign with him, then we can be sure that God has promised us that. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope in this battle called the Christian life. If I was going to add a line to this, I would say endurance is evidence of assurance. And assurance is ammo for the war. Assurance is not something that's meant to lull us into a spiritual kind of ease or sleep, right? 
Assurance is meant to be something that strengthens us, encourages us forward in endurance. To continue forward in the Christian life. To know that God has promised that he will finish the work that he has started in us does not keep us from starting the work. It keeps us from giving up on the work. It encourages us to continue in the work. Endurance is evidence of assurance, and assurance is ammo for the war. When Satan comes knocking, when the battle is raging, when you are in the race and you begin to trip and fall, when you have been watering your plants and they will not grow, remember, remember Jesus Christ. Resurrected, raised from the dead, descendant of David. Remember these things and know that if Christ endured all things for our sake, we can endure all things for Christ, for the elect. And keep going forward in the Christian life. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this salvation. We pray, Lord, that we would know that you have promised us that you are rich in mercy and that you will bring us to that day. Present us before yourselves, robed in the righteousness of Christ, justified and forgiven of all of our sins, sanctified and renewed in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, And you will glorify us, not because of our own work, not because of our own goodness, but because of your son, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we would every day die with Christ, that we may live with him, endure, that we may reign with him. And we pray, Lord, that you would keep us faithful as you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.